2: to episode 5 of the Total Saints podcast. My name's Ben Stanfield. It's good to be back after the international break. Missed the club football, but it was certainly back uh, with a bump yesterday. It was nice to plug the gap by speaking to Matthew Markston of Dalivery Pod Pod um, just during the break there, so obviously give his pod a listen if you've not already, but um, certainly it was uh, nice to still get a chance to talk about Saints in the gap. Um, to help me reflect on the Watford game from yesterday, the transfer window conclusion and look ahead to the Crystal Palace fixture. I'm delighted to have Chris Ran with me today, based over in Dubai, um, just while Adam concludes his international duties. Chris, for those that don't know you, I'm sure there's not that many people, but for those that don't know you, I wondered if you could just give us a quick introduction as to who you are and you know where you come from, where you're based, all that sort of thing.
3: Yeah, no problem. Uh, firstly, thanks for having me. My name's Chris Ran. Most people will probably know me on Twitter as at, at CRStig quite vocal on there have been for some time originally from the Isle of Wight supporting Saints since roughly 92 a little bit before but going to games from 92 onwards and uh, I'm the owner editor whatever you want to call it of the uh, Cousin.com.
2: Lovely and uh, in terms of the stick, Chris I know it's something that I've always do you know I've always wondered now I've got the opportunity to ask you I mean were you just a Top Gear fan or was it, were you known as the fastest man on the Isle of Wight or where, where did it come from? No um, this
3: is a very strange story but I uh, I'll tell you. There's two reasons, actually. I've been called Stig by people on the Isle of Wight since I was about 13, and uh, there's plenty of people on the Isle of Wight to this day probably wouldn't know that my name is Chris. <laughs> it's, there's two reasons. Uh, it came from two things. One, that a friend of mine thought I looked or resembled the Liverpool player Stigging Bjornby at the time. I remember him. Yeah, And also, um, I went to stay at a friend's house for the weekend and basically stayed there for ended up staying there for four days solid without changing my clothes or or having a shower. There you go. So the the
2: not, uh, not, f- we'll forever know the reason why. Not now. not glamorous so, uh, yeah. reasons, but. <laughs> 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 oh well, there we go. So that's uh, good. Good to know. So reflecting on. um the Watford game is, is obviously where we'll start. And, and just uh, before we do, I think it was good to sort of probably have 24 hours to uh, to calm down. I know if uh, you and I had done this last night or, or such like Saturday evening, I think there probably would have been quite a few expletives, certainly from my side anyway. So I think it's uh, been good. I know Adam always talks about the chance to sort of spend the weekend reflecting before he does his summary piece on the Echo, So I think uh, I have probably understood where he's come from. There we go. We're, we're, we're going to crack on with the uh, news, reviews and preview section. Looking at the Watford at home game, then Chris. I don't want to turn this into a rant, this pod. I, I think obviously we, you know, have to remember it's just one defeat. But uh, try trying to be as constructive as we can and look, look at things in terms of where and how Saints move forward. Obviously losing two 0 at home, very disappointing. I think we're all agreed we were thoroughly outplayed across the pitch. Opportunities, just one half-hearted shot on target from our right back Cedric in the 92nd in the minute I think the the biggest issue that certainly I found I think a lot of fans and I, I saw some of your tweets about it as well was around the lack of effort and desire that was apparent I'm not saying that there was a lack of effort and desire but certainly it seemed to to come across like that from pretty much every Saints player which is kind of a worry and um, in your view then who who or what is to blame I mean, we, we, we talk in players, are we talking players we talking lineup are we talking the manager? Are we talking tactics? Are we talking that flipping My Way song? I mean, is it all of them? What do you think is the sort of main issue that we, we sort of face during the Watford
3: game? I think my most major concern is that it's pretty much all of those things you just listed. It's, mm. it's a combination of all those things. Yesterday, nothing was positive. It, 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 you can't drag a single positive out of that game, with perhaps the exception of Cedric, or I thought, is probably our only player at the moment who looks like he's busting his gut to, to, do, his, to do his best. It, I mean, tactically, I think Watford obviously had our number straight away. We completely lost the battle in midfield yesterday. Completely lost it. I mean, if it had been a boxing match, it had been stopped. It, it, it was unreal. We, we had no... And, you know, Romeo's been so good for us. And yesterday, he was bullied by, by Chalavar and, and Watford. And that's a big, that's a big problem, I think.
2: I agree with you. I mean, I I guess that's the bigger issue here as well. You know, think not not just Watford, I mean, the start to the season and and talking about this with Adam last week and and Matthew's pod is that it's a bit of a hangover from last season and and there doesn't seem to be a quick fix, does it? I guess that's the bigger issue. It's not like we're looking at one issue that he needs to
3: deal with. I mean, there's a variety of things and they're not going to happen overnight. I think we're struggling with what our own identity is a little bit. It certainly looked yesterday like we had 11 individuals playing football rather than one team. I mean, there was no cohesion whatsoever between the front four. Nothing. I mean, it was a shambles. It, r- it really was. I mean, it's it's so frustrating. It's so hard to pick out one one reason why we lost that game yesterday, because everything was wrong. Everything felt wrong.
2: I'm reluctant to often uh, name names, and I'm certainly not going to do that, because I think we all agreed it was a collective effort yesterday. When I first saw the team sheet, my first initial reaction was, actually, I I, I was quietly confident before the game that that team would, would do do the job and get the win, so I'm not complaining about the line-up, so to speak but my my first thing was looking at Steve Davis and seeing plonked in the the centre of midfield there and I know we're we're all agreed, I think on the same view as you Chris, that Steve Davis is a really important player to the way that Saints play, providing he plays well, Saints generally do, as long as he's in the right position centre midfield for me is, is not physical enough to be playing in there and I guess starting to sort of break it down and have a think about it, when you've got players like Hoiberg, assuming Lamina is, is not fresh because he's obviously travelled to, to Africans. You know, to me, someone like a Pierre M or Hoiberg would be much more suited to being in there than maybe having Steve Davis over on the the, the right instead of James Ward-Prowse, who again continues to sort of regularly offer very little. But in terms of that centre midfield, is that one of the key areas where you really think you also mentioned there about
3: Chalabar where the game was lost? Yeah, absolutely. And I, t- I totally agree with you. I mean, people who know me from Twitter will know i bang the drum for Stephen Davis, perhaps more than anyone else. I think he's a fantastic player. I think he's very important for us. But I totally agree. He's not, he shouldn't have been in that position yesterday. He should have been playing in that support three where he links midfield to attack and does a very good job of it, in my opinion. It, it, it was a double whammy decision from, from the manager. He's not only taken, taken a player out of their best position, He's put them in a position where they're weak. And uh, someone pointed out, I think it might have been Glenn, pointed out to me on uh, Twitter this morning, if he prefer, if the manager prefers Davis there, than Hoiberg, that doesn't sound a very good, send a very good message to that player.
2: Yeah, and Adam was mentioning to me last week or when we did the last pod that, and, and I think Kjoiberg was there yesterday because I, I remember seeing him in the, the sort of video of the players turning up. So he's clearly not injured, he's clearly just out of favour, which seems seems strange. I, I asked this morning on Twitter just for a few um, comments from people about the Watford game and the Palace game. And I know um, Lucy Heinert had said Lamina must start, Devo is not uh, a defensive midfielder. And, I, you know, a lot of us have that view as well. It's kind of baffling, really, as to what's going on. Les Reed obviously made a point of saying before that we have, in his view, the best group of sen- centre midfielders to choose from. But it still just doesn't feel like we're getting that that gel right in
3: there. You'd like to think our manager and coaching staff had done their homework on Watford and should have realised that we needed combatant players in there yesterday to not be bullied in midfield. And sadly, we've got two quite decent ones, in my opinion, out on low. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting.
2: I was going to move on to Pellegrino. Andrew Davis had tweeted saying that he felt... It's time to get rid of the manager already. He's clueless, etc., etc. I think the frustration will set in the more we have negative results and negative performances. But is it really that bad that we need to look at that already, or do you, do you think he deserves more support from Eric Black, Dave Watson, that know the, the sort of strengths and weaknesses of our players and should be able to say to him, look, I don't think Steve Davis is a, is strong enough in centre midfield. Who really is going to make the sort of decisions that need to be made?
3: Well, firstly, we're four games into the league season, so it's ludicrous to suggest that you get rid of the manager now. I mean. I mean, what, what good that would do? I, I really can't see. You know, I don't. I don't want to support one of those clubs that sacks the manager every five minutes. It's, it, it wouldn't achieve anything. I don't believe. I think we've got to give him a bit of a, a bit of a let off to start the season. I don't think he's had the ideal preseason. He's had uh, he's had his best defender in a sulk. You don't know how that much has affected his transfer plans over the summer. I think we're we're desperately lacking something in attack. That perhaps we should have addressed in in the transfer window, and I don't know how much Van Dyke's uh, hissy fit, for want of a better word, has, has affected that. How, how much of their attention was on was on Van Dyke and not other things they needed to address. But also, you know, it's, an, it's a new period for a new manager. You've got to give him a chance to to, to bed in these ideas for the players. It may just be that we're, we're in that transition period where the players aren't putting his ideas across yet. I mean, yesterday they 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 were putting. It was a lack of effort from a lot of the players definitely I mean I don't know, I don't know what, what's wrong with Ryan Bertrand but he gets worse with every game I just think he's lost interest in playing for us Do you know I mean the thing
2: is I watched him for England and you know, I, I almost wonder whether he's lost interest in football I mean he's got the best job in the world being a footballer and he makes it look like the hardest most frustrating job in the world so again he was one of those players last season that there's no pressure on him in terms of players really quality players to come in and, and replace him so he knows he's going to get picked every week and He's just
3: one of those frustrations for me, Chris Ryan Bertrand. Yeah, absolutely. He's gone from being one of our most consistent players, who was, who, you know, was giving you eight out of ten performances every week, to a player who just looks like he, he can't be bothered. Mm. And that, that there's something wrong there because something, something's changed in his attitude. I don't know. I mean, there was a lot of rumours towards the end of last season that he, he he wanted out of Saints this summer. And obviously that hasn't happened for whatever reason, whether, whether it didn't happen because Saints told him it wasn't going to happen or perhaps no one, no one showed any interest in him. You don't know, but perhaps he's, he, he needs a new motivation in, in whatever that may be. And perhaps benching him is the only way to do that. In
2: terms of our identity, I've seen that word mentioned quite a few times since the Watford game yesterday. And, for example, Sam Nickerson tweeted this morning to to me saying, I'd like to see the high press back that we played under Coman and Mopo. However, doubt whether current players are good enough for that. I obviously asked whether he felt it was good enough or fit enough, and I think we both agreed it was both. In terms of identity, that pace that we had, the sort of pressing, getting balls into the box, I mean, crosses, I appreciate we're playing... Gabardini up front who's not, a, you know, not someone who's going to th- throw himself in the air like a Pell or a, a Lambert would have done but I mean, do, do you agree? Because I, I, I think I probably do agree that we've lost our identity a little bit. We don't seem to know what we're trying to do and how we're trying to do it just in terms of the way we play Absolutely,
3: yeah, I to- totally agree. I think, I think we started to lose it under Puel. I don't know what, what the new manager is trying to put across to them now in the way they play but it just seems to be more of the same unfortunately. Yeah, we, 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 we drastically miss a fast, direct wide player in my opinion we should have we should have bought one in the in the while the transfer window is open why we didn't i don't know we've replaced we've, we've tried to replace manet with boufal i think and it's not they're not the same type of player um, I, was, I was trying to explain to someone yesterday that manet had pace and skill and what we've got now is we've got boufal who's perhaps got the skill but but not the pace and long who's got the pace but not the skill we need someone who can do both i'm i'm actually quite looking forward to uh Josh Sims being fit to see if the manager will give him a go because we need someone who's going to get who's going to get the ball at feet and he's going to run at people
2: yeah i i was interested to chat about the B4 versus Tadic versus almost redmond i guess sort of scenario because um Charlie Hawkins, 93, um, had said lots of people saying to drop full already. How do we expect him to become more consistent playing one game out of every three or four? I think I probably agree. I mean, the, the, the problem with all three of those players is that they all seem to... They've all got pace. I mean, they've all got ability, but they don't seem to to really string a couple of games together where they actually get involved and get in the thick of it. And, uh, I mean, Redmond's one of those frustrating players as well because he's clearly got ability. And, you know, I saw he made a tweet the other week after the England squad was announced with a sort of puzzled face. But to me, you know, he doesn't warrant a place in the England squad because he's just not consistent enough. But you look at particularly the Buford versus Tadic um, battle. I mean, Tadic was dropped yesterday could have been due to international duty i appreciate for for the first time in quite a while so bfall obviously got his chance didn't really do much um, i guess it's unlikely both will ever really play together as as you know as we probably expected but how do we get the best out of these players If they aren't playing regularly, because I guess that is the challenge. And Shane Long's another one. I mean, you know, we we, we can go on to talk about goals and and such like in a minute or lack of them. But those those sort of three players, particularly Redmond, Tatic, Buffon, they're they're, they're not firing, but there's there's no real sort of consistency in selection. Then are we going to,
3: are we sort of shooting ourselves in the foot a little bit? Well, uh, just a a couple of points. Firstly, on Tatic, I think I've made my opinions clear on social media. That was the longest overdue dropping of a footballer in history, I think. I mean, I agree. I, could, I can't remember the last time that guy was effective for us. I, I genuinely can't. But like you were saying about Bertrand earlier, he's picked every week. So what's his motivation? What's his motivation to, to be better? And then again with Redmond, exactly what you just said then about him putting this puzzled face on Twitter because he doesn't get in the England squad. That's not how you're supposed to react. That, that, shows, a, that shows a level of expectancy that I, I will get in the England squad even though I'm not playing well. And, and and that's the wrong attitude for me. His attitude shouldn't have been, let's go on Twitter and put a puzzled face. It should have been, right, I need to work harder, I need to play harder for Southampton, and, and then I might get back in. Yeah. I think it's worrying that we seem to have a few players that have, have got a puzzling attitude at the moment, I think. I
2: think that's the the overriding issue for me. It's all you know, and it's it's hard to specifically say this is the reason. But a lot of them are very very well paid now. They're very comfortable. They've got their long contracts, and this is something I've chunted on about a few months now, and and last season as well. Is right across the squad. I mean, you look at Forster. For whatever reason, you know, he got a, a new five-year contract there when he had a pretty average season last year. So. I appreciate we need to pay these players decent money to to keep them at Saints. But likewise, if you're paying them decent money, I mean, if they're getting 40, 50, 60, 70 grand a week, they're not really bothered, I don't think. I mean, none of them are Saints fans. Matt Target's the only real Saints fan that we have in the squad these days. None of them are going to go out there and play like we would if we had a shirt on. So I I guess it's just that whole motivation versus if they're questioning the ambition of the club now. you, You know, A couple of years ago, we were... On the pinnacle with Koeman there, probably if, if, if we spent a few million quid, whether we had it or not, hypothetically if we had done, we could have now been pushing the top four. But we almost do seem to be going backwards, which is a, a little alarming. And some, some of the players are sort of starting to think that. Then all they're thinking about, as you quite rightly said, is their next move, whether that's January, next summer, they know that they're probably going to move on to another club in the Premier League at some point. So I don't want to sound overly negative about what the future holds. But to me, you've got a sort of question,
3: what, what is really motivating them? Yeah, agree. I think I think we've had a wor- we've had a worrying run ever since what probably the first window was when Lalana etc. left. We've had a worrying a worrying run of players moving on when they when they decide they've had enough and often with controversial circumstances surrounding it. And and like you say, it it makes you wonder if the attitude of our key players is well, I'm only here for a for a, a, a brief period and then i then I'll get something better anyway. That's what scares me a little bit, but going back to what you said about rotation, I, I, what I, I don't get is other clubs seem to do it, and it's fine. So why why can't we keep our players motivated and rotate them and get the best out of them? Is, is it the quality, do you think? Because
2: uh, Adam specifically it said quite a few times that Ralph Kruger was adamant that you know we now have two quality players for every position but yes we have two players for every position but it's not like for like Bertrand gets dropped you're not bringing in a, a, an international quality left back you're bringing in Matt Target or, or Sam McQueen so I, I totally agree. I mean, rotation is, is one thing, but you've still got to have the quality. And I mean, the bigger issue for me is this whole desire thing. That that was the, the thing that screamed when I was watching that game yesterday. I mean, if, if that was any of us, we would have been out there throwing ourselves around. Even if we didn't have the technical ability, you'd still have the commitment to get out there and want to do well. So the rotation is sort of twofold, isn't it? You need the technical ability, but then you need someone that's motivated. And the the sort of flip side of that finally is that you're now starting to alienate players that aren't getting a game. So the likes of Hoyberg, Shane Long, all those sort of players aren't even getting a game. Even in the cup, neither of those two players started. So you're then asking someone to come in and say, right, here's your chance, you're rotated, you're in the team, but they're already demotivated because
3: they haven't played for six, seven weeks. Yeah, it's it's a difficult one. I mean, I've been saying this for, for ages, but if I was a young... Attacking midfielder at Saints like a Hesketh or a Sims, and I was watching Tadic do nothing week in week out. I'd be pretty demotivated, I think, as a young player, especially as we're supposed to be the club that gives these these players a chance. Hmm. And uh, at the moment, it feels like there's a there's a lot of players in our first team that are, that are coasting. They just they're coasting through their career because they don't, they're not going to get dropped, and that, that that's what that's what worries me
2: just to finish on the Watford game then, Chris, so we've not scored in four of our five games this season. That's nine out of 12 Premier League games now going into the end of last season, which is pretty abysmal. Um, there's not scoring, that's one thing, but we're not even having shots on target. I mean, I added up yesterday near the end of the game, so from Swansea at home this season, Wolves second string and then Watford yesterday, we've had five shots on target in, in those three games, so that's, what, 270 minutes of football, five shots on target, we're not scoring goals, but we're not even having shots. We're not even creating anything. So there's a much bigger issue here than just scoring goals, isn't it? I mean, it is that whole top third of the pitch. Something is clearly going wrong, and it may well link back to our identity. But I mean, do, do you see
3: anything obvious that is is causing that? I don't know. I, I just think I think they've they've maybe lost their confidence. I think they've, you know, with every game that goes by without a goal, um, it must affect them in some way. We 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 thought we might maybe turn the corner against West Ham, but. You know that wasn't a convincing win by any means. It it wasn't three amazing goals from open play. I, I just think there's a there's a, there's a confidence issue there, or, or something is something is isn't right. I think mean, I can't put my finger on it. <clears throat> and to be honest, what if you look at the the the, the players that are available? Changing the personnel
2: probably isn't going to make any difference. Mm. The other thing I was just going to finally say on that is we don't get to see them in training all day, every day. But whenever I see the training clips, I appreciate It's just to keep us interested from a social media point of view. But you're watching Virgil van Dijk hypothetically smash a ball in against stuart taylor from 10 yards out you know my view would be let's have defense against attack i'm sure they do that let's practice crosses let's practice defending crosses let's practice defending attacking situations i'm not a coach i'm not a football trainer but to me it would be much better if they were taking shots against Yoshida and stevens coming out and closing them down or something like that because at least that's more of a game
3: situation the thing is james ward prowse is a, is a uh, case in point for this we've seen so many videos of this guy banging free kicks in top bin you know, beautiful, he's doing things for soccer AM. When he's on the pitch on, in an actual game, it just doesn't happen. Maybe yeah. we've got a team of Willie Thorns. You can be the best snooker player in the world in training, but the guy never won a world championship. If you can't do it in front of the crowd, live crowd, then pack up and go home.
2: It's certainly a frustrating result. I mean, and for, for me, it's definitely a case of two steps back almost uh, after having a, a, an unbeaten start to the season. But I mean, we'll talk about Crystal Palace in a, in, in a bit, but let, let's move on and talk about the transfer window. Overall, ins, outs, we probably could have done more, we probably could have done less, as I said on uh, Matt's podcast last week. Was it a good good window or a bad
3: one? I would say the jury's still out on it. I mean, not selling Van Dyke obviously puts a positive spin on it. I think we were, we were all in the same boat, where by the end of the window, actually we couldn't care less if he, if he stayed or went as long as he didn't go to Liverpool. I think that's how everyone felt yep. at the end. No one no one was really bothered. If we'd have sold him to Arsenal on, on transfer deadline day, I don't think anyone would have batted an eyelid. I agree. But like I was saying earlier, I don't know if we focus too much on keeping Van Dijk. How much We don't know what goes on behind the scenes, how much work went into keeping him, how much effort that was, or was it simply just a case of ignoring any interest? I don't know. But I think the problem is we bought in... I think Lamina already already looks good. Let's go on record and say that he we missed him already yesterday. Just quite interesting. He's played two games for us, and and yesterday we really felt like we could have done with him back in the team. Um, so I think he's a good signing. Bednarek, I, I'm guessing is a is for the future. He's obviously he's 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 going to be what fourth fourth choice centre half. And hooked. Obviously we've seen yesterday, um, for the first time. I and mean, I'm not I'm not a knee-jerk person who's going to going to you know, rip into to pieces for for the first game. But uh, he, he looked a little bit shaky, I thought. Um, poor clearance for the second goal. So the jury's out, I would say. Hopefully, in six months' time, we'll be saying how great it was. But the, not bringing in a direct winger was a mistake, I, bl- I believe.
2: And in terms of Van Dyke then, I'd sort of said, and I probably wasn't really adamant that this would happen, that he should be apologising to fans now and, and getting his head down and really sort of starting to, to show some passion to get back in the team. I mean, obviously, it was good to see him train. And I, I think it'd be naive of me to say that he's the be- clearly the best defender that uh, we have at the club. And in terms of football these days, Chris, I mean, is it, you know, is your view probably the same as mine that apologies are never really going to happen? It's just a case of sweeping it
3: all under the carpet and everyone just gets on with it and pretends it never happens? Well, I think it's in everyone's interest now to, to put the whole situation behind us. I don't think making him do a public apology is going to do anything for his self-esteem. The best apology he can do is as soon as he's back on that pitch, he's a gut to give the best performance he can give. That's, that, that, that's the best apology he can give. Mm. Go, go out there and do what we know he can do because we've seen it countless times. Go out there, put a flawless performance at the back, keep a clean sheet, clap the fans when you walk off, and that and, and, and we, can, we can leave it behind us. Mm. That's, that's the way I see it. Um, now we've, we've gone through all that effort. I mean, I was quite, I was quite mocking of the guy during this whole uh, saga because it was just, just out of frustration. But now he's stayed. Let's not beat around the bush. He's the best defender we've got. He's the best footballer we've got, probably. So as soon as he's fit to play, put him back in the team and, and let him do his job.
2: I think the other thing that's been adamant as well is that we're lacking leaders anywhere in the pitch. I mean, I I don't see one leader out there at the moment and he is clearly a leader as well. So he's obviously playing in the reserves on Monday, I believe. If that goes well and he's fit enough for me you have to get him back in for Crystal Palace even if he's not played for 6-7 months because I think he adds he will add so much to the team in terms of not only his, his ability but his leadership and actually organisation and all that sort of thing
3: Yeah absolutely if, he, if he's fit he's got, he should start centre-half at Palace and what's more he should be on free kicks Are you
2: confident he will get out there and, and do his job or do you think we're going to have a sort of Ryan Bertrand situation where and I know only time will tell so it's it's a hypothetical question but do you think he's someone that will get out there and roll his sleeves up and get on with it or do you think he's just going to mope around the pitch and a bit like Jose Fonte last season I mean for me again Fonte wanted to go in the summer he was pretty average when he started gave away the penalty against Defoe. I remember against Sunderland just with a lazy tackle and things like that I mean do, you know are we
3: confident that Van Dyke will get out there and at least get on with it? I think to start with it's worth saying that Van Dyke is you know Ten times the centre half that Jose Font is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he'll decline to that level. Like you say, time will tell. We'll have to see what, what he what he's like when he walks onto the pitch. We've also got to take into account that he hasn't played for so long because of an injury. We don't mm-hmm. know how that will affect him. But his motivation now should be: I didn't get the I didn't get the move I wanted. I'm not back in the Champions League. I've now got to do everything I can to make that happen. We we don't know what conversations he's had with. With the management at Saints, while all this has gone on, maybe they've they've given him a similar promise that they did to Schneidlin and Wanyama and said, look, knuckle down this year, and you can go next summer. Now, if that's the case, then you'd like to think, much like Schneiderlin and Wanyama did, he'll have a great he'll have a great season. If they didn't do that, if they've simply told him, no, you're not going anywhere, then it, it could be a different story. But I, I think I think he is, I think he's going to be a professional enough to play well. I, I don't I think he's too good a player to to sort of not not play well when he plays. There's a the Dutch have got an outside chance in the World Cup as well, so he's got I think he's got that in his mind. I mean, if he would put, form a, a great partnership in the Premier League, then what's to say the Dutch won't see that as their partnership too? And just to finish
2: on the transfer window, then there was a vote earlier this week uh, around the transfer window in terms of next season, and I understand Saints were quite pivotal in ultimately the the vote, which was that the Premier League would close the transfer window before the season starts. In terms of your view, is is that good or bad?
3: I think it's good. I mean. It, it, to me, it, it, it's just logic that you would close it before the, the, the games actually start. There doesn't seem to be any reason to have to have it delay longer. The only thing I will say is it, it, it's going to be a bit odd because obviously the European, the rest of the European leagues won't change, so they'll still have like a week after another week of European clubs. So we might we might survive till the first Premier League game fighting off Liverpool for all our best players, but then we might have another week of Juventus, Barcelona, or whatever <laughs> then coming in for them. So. You could say it will weaken the Premier League against the against the rest of the European leagues, but from a Saints point of view and seeing us get harvested every summer, I, I think it's a good thing for us. Lots
2: of people have made the, the point about it's good to know what you're going to have as a manager and a coaching staff going into the season. I mean, obviously, again, it'll depend, and I don't want to sound negative here, it'll depend which league we're in, of course, but uh, assuming we're in the Premier League, then things like the van dyke situation he could have been playing for us against huddersfield or west ham because we would have been a couple of weeks further into the process of him reintegrating so i think i'm with you on it my, my view is obviously that it's good to get everything done you know what you've got you can hit that first game of the season thinking this is a squad everyone's settled in, in inverted commas and a chance to sort of um, hopefully get off to a bit of a, of a faster start really so yeah I, I agree with you on that one So lastly, in our review section then, looking at Crystal Palace ahead of next weekend, live on Sky Sports, 12.30 Saturday viewing. Could be comedy of errors, could be fun and enjoyable watch, but we'll have to see what happens. Um, Palace, at time of recording, have lost every game and uh, not scored a goal yet, so they've obviously made a struggling start. Frank de Boer took over as uh, their manager, someone that we were, were linked with. Palace is, is always a tough place to go, Chris, In in terms of your view are you surprised that they've got off to the start they've got looking at the, the squad they got briefly or or, or not uh, no
3: uh, to be honest i think they're they're one of those teams that they've got reasonable midfield players and reasonable attackers but Frank of plays this back three and if you look at, the, at their back three that they've they've used in all their games this season it's just a car crash way to happen you know three three distinctly average <laughs> defenders playing in a back three it I'm amazed they haven't conceded it more, to be honest. L- looking at the team,
2: assuming Virgil Van Dijk is fit and available, what would be your starting lineup for the Palace game
3: and why, Chris? Okay, I'm, I'm assuming we're not we're not changing formation.
2: Well, no, actually, no. Let, let's do that. Let, you, you're the manager. You, you can change the, the formation if you'd like to.
3: Uh, I won't because I didn't make like that <laughs> <Change> the Formation. <laughs> I've I, I picked. Fair enough. Fair enough. I expect he would, would stay with the formation. So much to a lot of people's. Groans. I'm stuck with Forster in goal, only because I, I don't think you achieve anything by dropping a goalkeeper for their confidence. I think if you if you if you're saying he's num- the number one, you keep him as number one. Back four, I'm going Cedric, Van Dyke, Hoot and McQueen, simply because I think Ryan Bertrand needs a kick, and uh, needs needs to be needs to realise that he's not he's not a to play every week if he's not going to buck his ideas up. Then I've gone for Romeo and Lamina, central midfield. And then I've gone for a support three of Tadic, Davis and Redmond and then Gabbardini up front. So so not drastic changes. One obvious one to bring Lamina back in and just giving Bertrand a kick, basically. Other than that, I, didn't, I don't think it's too revolutionary. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I, I think on the whole, t- totally makes sense. Um, I, I actually was a bit more maverick in mind. So I, I uh, had to think about it this morning. I mean, I, I put here on my notes, arguably I'd put McCarthy in goal brackets, it won't happen. I, I think I'm the same as you. You know, I, I feel almost a bit like Bertrand that Forster needs a bit of a kick up the backside, but I think the trouble is Dave Watson is is very precious, I think, about Fraser Forster's confidence and such like and Yeah, on on his day, which are very few and far between at the moment, he is probably our best goalkeeper. But again, confidence-wise, it's kind of twofold. You wonder about the confidence he has, but you also wonder about the confidence the team has in him. And you think back to Palace last season and that howler. I'm not saying it will happen again, obviously, but there's a few little worries there with him. But anyway, so I'm sticking with Forster, even though my gut would say put McCarthy in goal. My back four, I've got Cedric Hoyt. VVD and I've left Bertrand in just because unfortunately despite his attitude technically I still think he's our best left back. I've got Romeo and Lamina playing centre midfield the same as you and then what I've done is I've actually gone 4-2-4 so I'm playing Steve Davis on the right midfield so that we can keep him in the team but you know get rid of Ward Prowse and then Tadic on the left just because again I think he's a player that he just has more experience of playing in, in the Premier League than Bufeld does. And probably away from home, arguably, I'm not sure how much, but arguably he just does a slightly better job defensively. And then I've totally freshened it up up front. I've put Austin in with Shane Long. The reason for that, I, I love Gabbiadini. I I wouldn't say a bad word against him, but I'm conscious that his confidence has taken a bit of a dent as well. And I mean, I watched the game yesterday. He, he hardly got a kick just because the ball doesn't get to him. So, so what I'm thinking, bearing in mind that we've started lumping balls up to, to him to deal with, is that... We stick Austin up there. Someone who's a bit better in the air can hold the ball up. He's certainly not the quickest. For that reason, you need someone that can be in around him. And Shane Long, again, I don't think Shane Long's the best footballer in the world by any stretch of the imagination. But he's quick. He will get in behind the defenders. He does put himself around. He's annoying. So, just to try and freshen up, just to just to sort of see what we can do and try and get some goals, try and you know try and get a positive result. That's the sort of changes I'd make. So I'd, I'd flip the question back to you. I mean, have I lost
3: my mind, or or, or does some of that makes sense? No, some of it bit definitely makes sense. So is it, in terms of tactics, formation, I, I do think it needs changing up, but I, I don't think he will, is my, is my hunch. I think he'll stick with what he knows. I think he'll stick with one up front. Yeah, I think this this Palace team obviously aren't very good. Like I say, they, they seem to play a back three with three very average defenders. So is, the motivation for the manager has got to be, we've got to attack these, we've got to attack them, we've got to go there. No no worry, No, don't worry about fluidity, it defensively, just attack them. Go for it. Why not? Why not? First 45 minutes, just just put them under pressure. That's what I'd like to see. Will we do it? I don't know.
2: I think that's the thing. Is you know, away from home, we uh, obviously we have only had one game at Huddersfield, but he almost seems happier with the the draw and getting something away from home than. Actually, and I was I was watching Soccer Saturday yesterday, and Phil Thompson was talking about it. The last fifteen minutes, if we'd really gone for it, we had a couple of great chances. You know, we could have won that game. And Saints are at their best; they always have been when they they take the game to to the the opponent rather than sort of sitting back and letting teams have possession and trying to counter attack. So, as you say, I mean, if if you take the game to Palace, they they will buckle. But if you if you sit back and let them come onto you at home, they're like any team; they they're going to gain in confidence, and that's going to cause the problems.
3: Yeah, I just worry about the fact that we don't. If you put yourself in his mindset, if you're, if you're the manager of a, a club at Saints level, you there's a fair chance he is thinking, well, if I, as long as I pick up the odd point away, I'm not. My, my remit is not to get us in the top four. There's no way Saints, Saints have said to him, you've got to get in the top four. So he he's going to be looking at a points total to get us, what, eighth or seventh maximum. And he might well look at away games like this at Palace and, and play it safe it's not it's not what we want to see but i i can see that happening i can see another blank i asked saints fans on twitter this morning actually what what
2: they change just to to sort of have a think about lineup and uh, you know the players that they'd choose so working working my way through them um at charlie inf said i drop reds for long play 433 Gabbiadini, Charlie Austin, Shane Long. We look better with Long's pace and directness always causes problems. Matt James. So at Matt James, he said he played McCarthy, Cedric, Stevens, Hoyt. So back three with McQueen and Target, a left back. He played Buffo, Oriol, Lamino, and Tadic. Long, Gabbiadini, 4-4-2. Ryan Taylor said, being creative just isn't working, getting back to basics, get long in the team, running on tools, Lamina back in midfield. Lucy Heinett said she'd like to try two strikers, whether that means Gabby on the right or a narrow diamond type formation, she wasn't sure, but certainly played two up front. At Fleet St, Steve Jones said, after yesterday you could justify dropping pretty much most of them, would that solve it? No, certainly need pace and a greater attack and threat, I think we all agree with that. At 18.55, the Artov said, 4 3 one worked best with a hold-up man and runners, but not sure we have the players for that. I guess that sort of ties in with my point about Austin along, but even then, you know, that's not one up front, that's playing two up front. At Andy Davis, 1978, said, play for goals, two up top, even if we lose, we need goals to help with the clear confidence issue. Lack of pace worries me more. At St. Lee underscore said physically weak, one paced and no intensity. Lack of confidence can dramatise these aspects, but I'd like to see a review into training sessions, which goes back to my earlier point. At Simon Beavis said lack of pace and power all over the field. Been saying it for months. Got the recruiting of forward players all wrong. Too lightweight. At Jason underscore Lewis J22 said 442 would be nice with VVD back in. At George Galpin 95. I'd go 433. So he's keeping the same back four that I had there with Romeo, Lamina, and then Heuberg, and then up front, Redmond, Gabardini, and Tadic. And finally, at Mr. GTU said uh, that he'd pretty much play 4-2-3-1. His top four would be uh, Redmond, Tadic, Austin up top and then Gabbiadini in the hole. I know that um, Adam Leach had spoken a couple of times about Gabbiadini in the hole and that sort of 10 space so that it keeps him in the team, but then he's got support of Austin up front. Just thinking about that in terms of short and longer time, do do you think that's something that could work,
3: Chris? Well, I I think it's certainly worth a try. (laughs) Nothing else is working. I think he's played. I think if I'm right, I might be wrong, so uh, apologies if I am. But I think when he's played for his previous clubs in Italy, I think he's played pretty much everywhere in that sort of diamond four at the top. I think he can. I think he's played out wide as well. Mm, Yeah. And then the last one
2: is um, at Richard Miles. So Richard Miles said. uh, 4-4-2, Diamond. He'd keep Romeo and Lamina in. And then Davis, Buffel, Long and Gabbiadini. So I think pretty much every fan is agreed that we need to change something. It's obviously not working, whether it is the personnel, the tactics. But assuming that we go with your team then, Chris, what prediction are you going with for Crystal Palace away next week?
3: Crystal Palace have played four, lost four, scored zero. So...
2: They'll beat us 2-0. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I'm going 2-0 Palace as well. That's the yeah, shows, shows how pessimistic we are, aren't we? But yeah, I, I, I'm thinking the same. I, I think uh, we'll try and keep it tight. I think we'll invite them onto us, and I think it will probably uh, cause us problems. So I'm, I'm the same as you. Unfortunately, I'm going 2-0 uh, Crystal Palace.
3: They've got they've got Benteke who hasn't scored yet this season, and we still look very weak in the air. So 2-0, 2-0 bet 2-0 to Palace. Benteke to score both. And he always scores against us. Or 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 Andros Townsend will score from about 40 yards because I always slag him off.
2: we hope you've enjoyed episode five um obviously disappointing to have to talk about a Watford um, defeat but it does actually give us more to talk about because if there's things that can be evidently changed and it was perfect you'd uh, you'd worry about that in terms of social media catch us on twitter at total saints pod you can find us on facebook and you can download the episodes via itunes and also find us on soundcloud chris thanks again fingers crossed for a palace result hopefully our predictions will be uh, wrong of course but thanks for joining us
3: no problem. Cheers,
2: Ben. Let's hope for a much better performance from Saints next week and a positive response. Uh, I think it's clear they need to do something. In the meantime, thanks for listening to Chris and myself. Have a good week and keep marching in.
1: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
0: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery.